Help support the Hockey Hurts podcast by donating as little as $1 per month by visiting patreon.com slash hockey hurts. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts podcast for July 15th of 2016. I'm Ryan Wilson and tonight we are actually without Cameron Walsh. It is his birthday and he is off gallivanting at a winery to celebrate. Uh, so a very happy birthday to my co-host Cameron. Uh, I do have somebody alongside me to discuss hockey this evening, and that is going to be uh, TSN analytics writer slash insider slash below replacement level food critic, Travis, <laughs> Travis Yost. Welcome, Welcome first, back, Travis. That, that is a above replacement level food critic. I am elite, E-L-I-T-E, elite food critic, um, below replacement level insider. That is more fair. Elite level entertainment. Elite level entertainment, and uh, I, I, I have to say, I, I'm going to apologize for myself in advance. I was just telling Ryan, I worked the longest day of my life, so if this podcast is below replacement level, I am totally to not zero, I will wear 0% of the blame, and Ryan's going to wear all of it, regardless of how much I drive the actual issues. Yeah, well, you know, we weren't, I can take blame for things. I can Even that. if it's my fault. I will. All right, let's do it. So, all that said, we don't have a ton of time this evening. We're going to jump right into things. Jamie Ben, eight years, 9.5 million. Uh, yay, nay. Yay, um, to the extent that this is the reality for, if you want to lock up first-line premier talent, this is where you're going to have to pay. And further, yay, in the sense that, you shouldn't be paying guys at this level of their career because of all of the cap issues that are that usually come along with the back end of these contracts. This is a known issue for basically every single player, but here's the reality. He is a top, top-end goal scorer in this league right now and likely will be for the next few years. The salary offsets that teams benefit from these seven-year restricted deals for players coming through the draft is usually offset with these contracts. And look, if you are going to make an overpayment, if, and I don't even think it is necessarily an overpayment, but if you were to call this an overpayment, this is the type of overpayment that you make because he is an elite talent. I mean, there, there, it's an indisputable point right now about his game. It's, it's just where teams generally run into issues is when they treat second line players with the same, margin or uptick or premium in free agency and those contracts generally burn him like I think yeah I think Ben will not be nearly as good towards the back end of his deal but right now he's an absolutely fine player the Dallas Stars are a Stanley Cup contender today I have no issues with it what about you um last three years first in the NHL at 5v5 points per 60 at 2.65 so when we say elite yep elite talent uh you know, those 30 to 34-year-old years, you know. But elite talent usually ages better. Hey, that's absolutely true. And actually a really good point is, um, I, I guess a, a fine differentiation here is that Jamie Benn is, he is a sniper. He is a pure goal scorer, and he's got an unbelievable shot. Usually players who are in this group who have driven their goal and point totals because of their great shot, um, they might lose the legs, but they generally do not lose the shot. Um, there have been a few instances of that. Um, 
I, that's kind of why I've wondered separately if Ilya Kovalchuk would ever come back to the league once that whole mess sorts itself out. And more so, I actually think he's going to. The question is, what kind of player will he be? And I kind of he won't be like the, the skate around tank he was. But in, in my eyes, he's in my my generation. I think he's the best shooter I've ever seen in terms of pure shooting talent. Um, I that that has stayed with him for as long as I've. I've watched him, and I, I guess like Ben and a few other players are in that group where they are elite shooters, and even if parts of their game go, generally that is the last thing to go, which is encouraging. Yeah, I think you're correct, and I, th- I would throw Alex Ovechkin into that mix. I, I saw him just lay bombs on Ryan Miller for like a full two-minute power play one game, and I was just like, oh my god, poor guy. Yeah, the, the, cra- the, thing, the funny discussion, that's a debate for another day, but at their peaks, who was a better shooter between Ovechkin and Kovalchuk? It's, and when I say shooter in this sense, I'm talking about the overall thing. Like, there's no, yeah, Ovechkin shot volume, undeniably better than Kovalchuk's, but Kovalchuk as a, a per shot, per shot scorer, I think Kovalchuk was better than Ovechkin in his prime. Actually, I would say considerably so. That's a really interesting debate if you could talk between those two about who, who would you rather have with, uh, with a, in a single game basis? to score you a goal at their peaks. I, I think a lot of people, I think the majority of people would say Ovechkin, but I don't think it's as, as clear and cut as uh, maybe maybe we're talking about it. Ovechkin has a full-out cannon, whereas, like, I think Kovalchuk's kind of the drone kind of deal. Very yeah, precise and, and timely kind of deal. So, um, By the way, um, I think I've, I've mentioned this a couple times before, but Kovalchuk is one of three players, I think, in the NHL who have exhibited consistent year-over-year ability to shoot from very close areas near the net. And that is, I think Alex Tange is actually the other one, which is kind of funny, but it makes sense if you got, and I think Andrew Burnett might be the third one. Um, Alex Tange was definitely the second one, but it, it's kind of funny because you don't think about those two guys in the same way you do as like a Ovechkin or Malkin or Kovalchuk, but um, they, 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 they made their career basically around being around that area of the ice and shooting like 18% every year. So you mean the general narrative of grit and heart near the towards the front of the net doesn't always check out? No, well, you've got a Russian, you've got a not, not physical in any means – Alex Tanga. I guess maybe Andrew Brunette was maybe the heart grit guy, but not even I don't even know about him. So over three. So shall we segue into um, kind of the last few days? We've we've seen Montreal fire their analytics uh, hire Matt Pfeffer. We've seen a video come out live from like like the Bruins put this video out, <laughs> which blows my mind that that. They talk about culture being the reason they traded Sagan out. So, like, you would burn that video if you had any mind to, you know, of what actually you should do. But they actually publicized that this week, right? That was the first time. So, so this video. is the crazy thing. This is the crazy thing. That video has been public for a couple of years. Oh, I and didn't was, know that. Yeah. So, but so this is a really good point because the amount of feedback I've gotten in response to that video. I, really, I can't think of another item that's driven more attention from anything I've ever talked about. And the amount of people I, – I don't think I'm being hyperbolic here. There were hundreds, hundreds of people who were like, holy crap, got to watch this. Can't believe I've never seen this before, et cetera, et cetera, stuff along those lines. And it was amazing how many people had never seen it before. I remember had I remember seeing it kind of – I had watched it and I had a vague recollection of it a couple of years ago and – 
for some reason I circled back to it and I watched it again, like in its entirety. And it is the most, you know, cringeworthy four minutes you can possibly watch in hockey. Just every comment of, you know, he's got all this skill, but what else does he have? Or, or comments <laughs> like, or comments along the lines of, you know, he's, he is a top end talent, no doubt about it, but does he fit in with our culture? And the, the thing that really killed me, and I, I don't know, I, I think everyone has a, a favorite takeaway from this video, and if anyone hasn't seen it, I encourage them to watch it. My favorite takeaway was just watching the series of yes men kind of like nod in agreement, like, yes, the house is burning, I'm totally fine with this, there's no there's no issue here. And it's the, the, the second part of that that's amazing is all of those guys who were responsible for really one of the worst trades in the last however many years you want to call it. How many of them have been promoted? I mean, it's it's incredible. I can't think of worse trades. Like, I'm obviously Penguin-centric. The Yager trade comes to mind. I mean, there were financial reasons for that. But, like, this one in the cap So, era... so how about, how about non-financial-driven trades? So that would pull the Gretzky deal and that deal out of it. So, I mean, now let's talk about purely we think we are better or on par trade-wise. And you can consider contracts, but, I mean, ultimately, that's not what Boston was thinking here. They were thinking, yeah, he's not a he's not a culture guy. Let's trade him for Louis Erickson. I think we had two in the same day, what, two weeks ago? Oh, my God. Which, so which, which deal do you think was worse? Because there is there is differing opinion on this. Um, I think by far the, the Montreal one. Because... See, I said that. There are a lot of people who think the Taylor Hall trade was worse, and I – you're not going to get any pushback from me to the extent that I think that was an absolutely horrific trade. But the, the Montreal trade is just so, so much worse. It's like I almost think night and day worse. I mean, I, I don't – my pushback, I guess, on the, the Taylor Hall trade is Adam Morrison could be could be good. And I think, I think Adam Morrison's a fine defender. That was my point from the minute that trade was made, that, yes, I think Adam Morrison's a very good defensive defenseman. I just haven't seen the offensive skills materialize, and the kid, he's not 19 anymore. I think he's 23, correct? I think um, maybe at, even four. Yeah. At, at some point, you are what you are. Like, how, how frequently do we go through and truly find a late bloomer in the NHL? Like, I, I can think of one off the top of my head because he's so unique, and it's Mike Hoffman. Outside of him, like, how many other players are in that group, forwards or defensemen? It's just generally speaking if when you when you reach that you know your peak your peak prime years 23 to 26 23 to 27 as you approach and enter like that's pretty much what you are and the, the fact that Adam Morrison has never really added much on the offensive end is concerning it means to me okay he's not a one he's maybe a two or a three and if you're trading Taylor Hall one he's of the best ringers in the world for that, that that gets that's crazy but you know the the, the Shea Weber thing and it is like it's it's almost unspeakable because the the Weber contract is such a disaster. I he's so overrated as a player. Montreal thinks they are getting a bona fide absolute number one, and they're not. And PK Subban is what the second or third best defender in the world. I mean, it's just I don't know how those two trades happened on the same day. The the reason why I placed the the Subban Weber trade below, it, like in a worse thing, like Oilers. They think they need defensemen, so they traded a good forward for what they think perceived good defensemen. And he's not bad. And he's not – like, we should say that, right? Like he's no, not bad. Well, in the scope of the trade, he's terrible. But, yes, you're correct. As an actual player, in a vacuum, he's he's fine, but not for Taylor Hall. Correct. Um, 
The other trade is they think they're making a lateral move. <laughs> they're not like they're trading from a place of strength to get weaker. And it's just like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't even I would disagree with you. I don't think they're I don't think they think they're making a lateral move. I think they think they're a better team today. Well, they're wrong. Yeah, well, uh, clearly. <laughs> I I was on my way to golf league when both those trades dropped, and I'm just like, oh my god. The How interesting do I process this. Yeah, I know. The interesting piece of that trade, I think, is which player valuation are they more wrong about? And and that's the reason why I think it's interesting is I think the PK Subban piece of it is what drove Montreal to the trade. But I actually think the reason why they lost the trade was because they even more so misvalued the player in return. And like, I guess a good example is when when we heard unbelievable rumors about a potential PK Subban Taylor Hall swap, and you know there were, there was going to be stuff in there. And probably I'm kind of of the opinion. I said this even a month ago that in a there's no way Montreal would ever 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 win a PK Subban trade. But I said the one deal that could make sense is if you could build a package around Taylor Hall, you a might package, lose it. A package, a yes, package. Fair, but you, it would be like 90 cents on the dollar, I think is what I'm trying to get at here, which is at least you could make the argument, yeah, like there were there were off-ice reasons we didn't like P.K. Subban, which are terrible probably, but at least they are getting an elite talent back. They think Shea Weber's elite, and he's just not. He was, but it's been yeah, like yeah, three that's, years. That's pretty much it. Um, I think he can still drive some offense, but he's going to bleed shot attempts. He's already 30, and he's got like a decade left on his deal. And it, and I know when he retires, it goes back to Nashville. But that cap hit's going to haunt him for years because he's going to end up below replacement level sooner than later. 58 shot attempts against per 60 minutes the last couple of years in Nashville. That is remarkably high for a for a real alleged defensive defenseman. Now, you want to talk about guys who really shut it down in that zone, like a Nicholas Jalmerson or, for, or any number of guys, those numbers are pretty low. Um, and, yes, there, those types generally have diminishing returns offensively, and I think Shea Weber can still add stuff offensively. But Yeah, man, for now, he, I think he, he does do a good job there. But how many he, more years? Yeah, and that's – yeah, that that could be going. And the, 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 the sheer number of – that, and, and that's what I think that people are missing with this. It's not – that there are like over yes overall there are concerns and criticisms about Shea Weber's game, but the 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 overarching criticism is you think he's the best defender in the league in the defensive zone and he's just not and that that is he's really not close. what drives everything else yeah it's and I I concede that his goals against differentials are a bit better than his shots against differentials but eventually especially as he ages those are going to correct and not in a good way. No, that trade was. Um mind-blowing to me and you know the the matt pfeffer stuff that came out like that was the hill he died on and i gotta respect that that's the hill you die on if you're an analytics expert and you're like holy shit my team is trading pk suban for shea weber i gotta put together a presentation and say no yeah and, I, and that's... Uh, you know what they uh, man they wanted yes men like that that bruins room the the the, the part that I was really concerned about with, with the stuff that came out about that is, like, this is the type – if I was running an organization, that's the exact type of 
pushback or counter response I want from my team. Like, wait a second, are we sure we're doing the right thing? Here is a bunch of data or here are quantitative arguments that suggest that what we are doing might be wrong. And yes, at the end of the day, it is going to be my decision. But that is what I am paying him or her or the group for is give me that feedback. Let me know that I am maybe going down a wrong path. So that way, when I do make the decision, I can at least be fully informed. Now, now Mark Bergevin might have turned around. We know he did. We turned around, looked at that, said, great, gave it back and said, I'm trading P.K. Subban. And that is his his choice. He has earned it. He is in the position of the GM role. It might be a terrible decision I disagree with, but that, that is his position. That is his decision to make. The... The concerning part is the the trickle-down, which seems to be because he disagreed, that's likely the reason why he got pushed out. It it is just – it's – we don't know necessarily if it's true or not, but it really rings so so accurately with what we know in the past, which is guys who are, quote, good in the room and shake their head yes when when their superiors make – you know, have ideas or suggest stuff. They're the guys who generally move up. Like that, that's you know fired upwards. Think about how many guys. I can't remember. I think Jonathan Willis pointed this out. How many of the execs from those disastrous, and I mean disastrous, Edmonton Oilers teams in the late 2000s, early 2010s? They're working. They're in better positions today than they were yesterday. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's it's there are, you, in no in no industry are you fired upwards like you are in the NHL. I think you could um, speak to the Las Vegas hire. For oh, GM. Yeah, that's like, you know, do we I mean? want to do we want to even get into that? Well, I, I think there's a penguin centric thing that I've been looking at. And that and that's my dread of losing Jason Botterill because uh, Pittsburgh's just extended Jim Rutherford another three years. Botterill could could have taken over the team, in my estimation, when Ray Shero moved on. And they're really pressing their luck with how long they retain his services, which, from what I hear, are very unique and very high end on the cap end of things. Yeah. So Botterill, and he's not. And yes, it is a small pool, but I would put Julian Brisebois in that group too. There are, to your point, there are probably only a handful of guys, but these guys exist that they're like no-brainer eventual GMs. And what a surprise! The team that you know they've got, they just dropped five hundred million dollars. They, it was just if I, I wish you know the Vegas line wouldn't have opened on this, but the odds of will they hire a retread or actually hire someone with a vision or someone with, you know someone with a bit more creativity and and maybe a more logistic and well thought out plan. And I'm I, I'm not trying to slander GM GM here, but I, I'm looking at like their their shortlist. I believe had Dale Talon on it too. I, I remember I remember there was discussions with Vegas and Talon. Um, there were a couple other names in there. It was like, holy hell, like just retread after retread of we know who this guy is. It's the same thing about Randy Carlisle in Anaheim. Like that hire made no sense, not because not only because there were a number of great coaches out there, but because we already have seen Randy Carlisle. And that's that's kind of the same thing. It's it's it was a frustratingly curious hire. And I, I feel like Vegas was just so risk averse about it. And let's let's get a hockey guy and let's build hockey guys around him. And it's, it's just going to be a duplication of another team in the league. Um, I don't think Talon actually got interviewed for that from a CBS uh, sports uh, report that I had. Who were the names? I thought, I thought Talon had been mentioned. Who he were the he names? was mentioned. Uh, according to the report, Jason Botterill, Mike Fuda, the Kings assistant GM, um, Jason Botterill and, and Fuda and, 
McPhee were the three, and I think I do think Botterill was one of the finalists, and yeah, I was really so, scared about that. There's a more comprehensive list out there. I think that was might have been the short short list, which is, is a fair point. But by the way, Mike Feuda, do we know much about? I, I've kind of been. I kind of want to talk about the Kings a bit because I, I feel like that organization has maybe more than any team in the league gotten a lot of slack um, for maybe being gifted a couple really great players and having a really good coach because I cannot figure out what that front office is doing. Lately, no. I mean, Dean Lombardi, years ago, there were some clever moves, getting Carter, getting Gabarik, those kind of things. Uh, but then he, the, the quick, the the Brown extensions are, are crazy and then maybe the trade for it, Lucic the well, that, yeah and then having the actual goalie for the first round pick that went the other way that turned into Martin Jones that beat them in <laughs> the first round who's a better round. goalie than Jonathan Quick we have the best goalie for the next 12 years I believe was the famous tweet that they sent out that day they didn't even have the best goalie on the team I know right <laughs> this year that Martin Jones beat Jonathan Quick. I've I've heard privately that they they do some strange stuff when it comes to player evaluations. I mean, really out there stuff, stuff like that is having dreams and putting Jack Johnson on <laughs> roster stuff. I, I can't get too fully into it, but it, it is credible. It, it, it's coming from a, a very good place. But I, I will say this: I have heard that they do some curious stuff, and it would not. I'm extrapolating a bit here, but I look at the Team USA roster build, and I wonder. I'm trying to draw lines where the lines haven't been drawn, but they seem to connect. Oh, yeah. I mean, Phil Castle, I, I can't speak more positive about him the year he had with Pittsburgh, and to see him on the outside of Team USA has me rooting for the under-23 team. <laughs> I, I, I almost wonder if I'm even going to watch it. I mean, I will, but, like, It'd almost be like hate watching. I don't even like the tournament idea. I may go because I think I can get a cheap ticket to like a Sweden Russia game, and I think that would be awesome because I'm in proximity to the tournament. But yeah, I get what you're saying. What what of of the rosters going? Where does Team USA rank in terms of likelihood to win it all? Uh, they're off my radar. I don't even want to think about them. To be honest, I'm offended. <laughs> They're gonna lose. Is is it fair to say they're gonna lose every game like two nothing, one nothing, two one, pretty much, right? And they're gonna get outshot like forty to twenty six. Are we assuming Schneider starting or Quick? Oh, you know Quick starting. Oh boy, that's another thing that we won't get into that. But like, I um, I'm not gonna. Well, I am gonna root against them. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's you that's ha- so crazy I, look, for me to say, but yes, you I have am. to. You have to root. I, I, I want it, change it, to be made, so I don't want to support it. There's there's a gray area with this, but I feel like when you make such catastrophically bad decisions, you, you, at some point you have to say, no, nah, enough's enough. And and I, I've said this in the past about the Knicks, but like I was this close to checking out if they were going to extend Kurt Rambis again in that, in that absolute disaster. I mean, that organization has been a, just an ch- absolute train wreck to the highest order maybe one of the maybe the worst run organization in sports and i was still sticking in and this summer i remember the, all the heat about phil jackson wants to extend kurt ram is worst coach in nba history because phil jackson likes the guy and he knows the triangle and i remember i explicitly said it to anyone everyone i know i said if Ramus is extended I, i'm out until phil's guy I, like I, I just can't invest my time into this 
I can't watch it. All it's going to do is frustrate me. And the the Team USA hockey thing is kind of along the same lines. Like I'm looking at the roster and I'm like, yeah, like go America. But at the same time, I'm like, this is yeah, just you can kind of go America with the under 23. Yeah, that's yeah. But I, it's it, I feel weird, right? Like that. I don't even know what the purpose of that team is other than to have an, another team fill a box, even though they look really. They're filling good the box there. for Team USA. <laughs> yeah, we need a replacement team. For, you know what? They should have they should have an auto relegation spot in that tournament that you get replaced by the next best team. If, if you finish. Yeah. Let's put Kazakhstan in for team USA. If team USA finishes dead Although last. Slovakia doesn't actually have a team either. There's that, um, kind of gray area European team, if I'm correct. Yeah. It's, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a mix of all the teams that aren't good enough to have a team. So like Germany. Yes. Okay. I like them better. At least they're trying. so so you mentioned you mentioned the knicks who's worse the knicks or the bills i i i will no doubt about this the knicks not even close the bills are just in perpetuity running on a treadmill of mediocrity and that in some ways just watching those games is so frustrating at times but the trying to say it to a Bills fan, and and I think I can speak to this because I am a Bills fan. I am as the game forever. You are in the same position. We are both one in the yeah. same here. Yes, they have, they do. They are a poorly run organization. They are not the worst run organization. You, they have a spattering of good moves and a spattering of bad moves, but really, eighty percent of their problems in the last 15 years have been driven by one thing, and they don't have a quarterback. And look, that, I'm not giving them any leeway for that, but. The Knicks, every decision they make is wrong. It's 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 really incredible. It's like it's like rolling a dice and rolling snake eyes every single time, even if you have loaded dice. I it's I can't even the Isaiah Thomas era. James Dolan's been over the whole thing. Phil Jackson might be worse than Isaiah Thomas. Wow. Okay. That's I, strong. I, that I, is strong. I, I would never. I have never ever 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 thought about cutting the cord as a Bills fan. I, I laugh at I mock them sometimes how bad they are, but I'm coming back the next week. They're three and eleven. I'm still coming back for the week fifteen game. It's we all come back, Travis. Yes, yeah, exactly. The, the Knicks. I I was like, you know, when you're like one foot is leaning off the ledge, I'm like, just just announce the Rambus extension so I can go. Just let me go. I'll say this about the Bills: the last few years, overall roster construction, I think they've done a better job. But like you said, until you get that quarterback. You're screwed in this league now. But I will say this. I think they have the best quarterback play they've had since Kelly, which isn't saying much, but I do think that there's been an improvement there as well. They they have well, – here's the other thing too. The, I, I could go on for hours about this, but what have the Bills had to go against for the last 15 years? Oh, maybe the greatest quarterback in NFL history beating them twice a year, every year. That's 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 not great. The Eastern Conference in the NBA has been a joke, a joke. The Knicks still can't win. Yeah, Tom Brady's pretty great. And uh, and the Patriots' like, train has know. been impressive. I'm trained – I am trained to think that even though Brady's missing that week – what is it, week four game against the oh, Bills? Oh, yeah, officially. We, we got Garoppolo or whatever the fuck his name is, but I guarantee this, Travis – we lose that game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm saying the same exact thing. The minute the Brady extension or the Brady suspension was announced, I thought to myself, I was like, there is way more than a non-zero chance to build. First off, it's a road game, I think, in Foxborough, right? Second off, I, the 
the fact that the Patriots defense kind of just gets swept under the rug, they've been pretty good. I think they were really good last year. And the other, the third the Hey, you there? Yeah, yeah. We're still Hey, cut off. Sorry. All right. That's all right. You can continue on. Uh, I don't even know what my point is. All I'm going to say, we were on the Bills. In that Patriots game, there's going to be a halfback option of LaShawn McCoy that's going to get picked off or some. They're going to get cute for the sake of getting cute, and they're going to blow that game. Well, that's going to be like that's going to be like like a 10-9, some weird score, 10-7 game late in the fourth. And the Bills, the Bills will not give up any points because Garoppolo is going to be struggling, and at the same time, you will have the Bills' offense just randomly sputter. I, I guarantee that's what's going to happen. They start one and three. We got a Rex uh, firing watch. Oh yeah, he's. I don't know. He yeah, and maybe a Rob promotion. I'm oh boy, I I was down for the whole entertainment value of the hire, but I I need a more forward thinking. Like he punted so many times where I'm just like, well, what are we doing here? Like I, you're, I, you're voluntarily giving possession away. I gave I gave him some leeway last year, and that that runway is running short. I will say this: I am okay with a. I don't want to say okay because it sounds like I'm complicit. I will say it though. I am okay with a conservative approach to the sport. If you truly have a dynamic defense, a you know, in the league leading defense that Rob that Rex Ryan has has shown in the past, like that's that's a totally fair point to make. Rex Ryan creates great defenses. The only problem was last year the defense was horrible. It was the offense was far and away better than the defense last year. And I love people that push back on it like that wasn't true. The defense let that team down so many times and the 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 mistakes and those those conservative punts are so more magnified in those instances when your defense immediately bleeds of you know a twenty seven yard pass the other way and it's like great great punt guys like it, it makes it, it it makes it it compounds the issue is what it does that and for the first half of the year they didn't just throw Sammy the ball every down oh yeah that's the other and then he started blowing up and like that that oh wow he's actually stretch. really great in these awesome like you watch uh, DeAndre Hopkins in Houston and. And they don't have any quarterback play, but they, they're just like, fuck it. The, this, this is the Hopkins play. We're just – I don't care if he's open. I'm, we're, we're going there. Yeah. Uh, you trade up in the first round for Watkins, that's, that's the mindset you got to have. Um, I know you're tight on time, but I'm not letting you off the hook. You got to – Christ, Travis. You, you have to explain the ice cream take to me. I need to know if it's nutritional reasons – or taste, or do you like custard, gelato? Is there yogurt differentiations? Because the ice cream take of all your food takes got me. It So it's a combination of both. It's way overrated in taste. I would give like a 4 out of 10 on but taste. But there's so many flavors. Yeah, well, okay. So I'm speaking purely to vanilla and chocolate, but I don't even like the texture, too, of the oh, other flavors, Oh, you can't too. limit it to those two. We okay. live in America. So chocolate, let's let's go down the list. Chocolate I know you don't is, like chocolate. Chocolate is horrible, horrible. I know. Okay, you so let's remove that from the list. Too. Vanilla is good, but not vanilla ice cream because ice cream in general has a weird texture, has a weird taste. It's like this like creamy, milky flavor of just Lumpy? crap. 
lumpy the, would you say huh lumpy at times i don't i don't like any of it yeah everything every negative connotation associated with ice cream is absolutely true and to further my point anytime you're having ice cream you could easily have something like i don't know like a shave you, you ever have you ever been to hawaii i got born on this new have you dessert. ever been to hawaii until you're uh no, you I know on the the fly <laughs> trip that you just made hey man after today's work day i might be doing it again and, and um, travis may i ask you how many kids do you have oh uh, that'd be seto okay so <laughs> okay. so so i got put on to this and i know it exists here i mean it's it's just in so many replications but in Hawaii, it's kind of like a specialty. It's it's shaved ice, basically, and it's just drenched in sugar water. But it is so much better and so much more refreshing and so much tastier than than standard ice cream. I just I, there's no there's no benefit. I don't enjoy ice cream. I don't like it. it doesn't taste good. Um, I don't know why people have it, and that's generally <laughs> true of cake too. Does this extend to gelato? Yeah, I don't like gelato either. Oh boy. Um, yeah. Okay. Yogurt. Yogurt is a bit more acceptable, but even still, not the bullshit the, in the supermarket. No, 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 no. It's got to be the specialized, you know, Seinfeld addicting yogurt. Yes, <laughs> I got you. Oh man, I I gotta disagree with this take. I mean, I have um, three kids that'll disagree, including the four month old that. But got okay, a little so lick here's a great example. Chocolate. You have kids. How can they possibly like a scoop of ice cream or an ice cream cone over like those frozen icy push pops? It's like crack cocaine to them. Kids and, are making and, bad decisions. No, I don't know. My favorite is the uh, peanut butter gelato, oh. with the chocolate oh. syrup. Peanut butter, peanut butter and chocolate. I, 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 I know your peanut butter cup take. It is the worst. <laughs> no, peanut it is. butter and chocolate is the absolute worst Slam in the desk. Ever. It is the best combination ever. It's so clumpy and like uh, you got to chew through it. Not it's like gelato. drinking a Heineken. It's horrible. Gelato, peanut butter gelato with the syrup. There's no not chunk. good. Not good. Oh well, Florence would disagree with you. Uh, I gotta ask you one question before we go. The why? Why is there no Uber in Buffalo? Uber in Buffalo? Fuck yeah. Buffalo. Why is there no Uber in Rochester? The entire Upper New York State area. Why? You mean entire New York outside of New York City? Yeah, essentially. Because people are fucking stupid. I am so angry about this. I know, um, and I'll speak to uh, Jeremy White of WGR, who I know you speak on their station as well. Jeremy's furious about this. Um, I would pour money into downtown Rochester if I had a safe means and a respectable price point to get home. It would cost about maybe 6 to $10 to get home from downtown. You know what it cost me for a 15-minute cab ride from downtown Rochester? Oh, that's got to be 25 bucks. 60 what yeah why are there dwis i don't know <laughs> fuck it's a public safety issue as far as i'm concerned it's price it's price gouging is what it is um, 60 motherfucking dollars the, the you can the, hear my uh, anger in this when i was in buffalo with the draft i took a taxi because there was no uber and i get in there and i jump in the taxi with one of like the best friends of logan brown's family he's like you're going there i'm like yeah let's jump in so I get talking to him, really nice guy. Our cab driver is a militant racist, like straight out of the, straight <laughs> out of Clansville. And the entire time, he basically was hitting me with, 
I'm not a racist butt lines. And I'm like, oh, man, this is so bad. It was the most uncomfortable cab ride of my life. Um, he, got there pretty he got there pretty efficiently price-wise, though. So. They're all uncomfortable. Their taxis suck. Yeah. They're ancient pieces of shit. Uber actually has a standard for that. Do they have like a minimum manufacture date that your cars have to be for an Uber I think draft? within four years. Really? Yeah, something like that. Uh, basically what happened in New York is the um, taxi cab unit in New York is that strong. New York City, I mean. Well, see, the thing is it's not really an issue in Long Island because Long Island is just like another world. Like it's just you don't need taxis or Uber all that much. Like it's just so removed from the rest of civilization, so it's not a major thing. Uh, that that frustrates me more than your ice cream take, but I know, way, I know, so. but I'm just needling you because I, I, I it's just I, if someone is in pain right now and you salted my wound, I'm like, oh, Ryan, I, like, I, you know, I got a half hour, I just worked this unbelievably long day, and you're sitting there with a shit eating grin of, I'm a teacher, I did not work today, uh, ha, ha. Oh, so I, I wrote had, a, I, a bullshit Sidney Crosby's got the cup at home article today, Travis. <laughs> I also went to the zoo in a splash park, so there is yeah, that. Yeah, sounds like a tough one, so yeah, I had to get you back rough. somewhere. All right. Well, I know you're tight on time. Um, would you like to promote yourself? Um, not really, um, but if you – if uh, I always tell people if they want to follow me on Travis Yost. But beyond that, you know, come, come for the hockey, but you're staying for the food takes. You, just everyone knows that. At Travis Yost, formerly Travis, he hate me. Yeah, that got retired. I hung in the rafters. Uh, my former hockey buzz colleague. I, I miss you there, but I uh, love love insider Travis during the uh, trade deadline and the UFA thing. Um, <laughs> love much, it so by much. the way, that it's so funny how much that bothers people in in the industry. And that's the only, and by the way, that's the only reason why I do it. I want you to do it more. I love good information, and I can trust it because I trust you, Travis. So. Uh, I got I got to watch out though because now now. People are coming out of the woodwork and volunteering stuff, and they're they're reliable and trustworthy people, I think. But they, it's just always, you know, I'm always I'm a cynic by nature. So when people I don't really talk to that much start coming to you and like, hey, by the way, this, that, and the other thing, and I'm like, well, why are you telling me this? Hey, what is your involvement? I, I I guess I'm I guess I'm skeptical. Well, here's I, the thing, though, Travis. The Bob Father has announced his retirement. You just got to get your foot in the water now. You you can be the Bob Father. <laughs> oh man, you know what? He he is not to carry his water, but I there's so many people who do such a piss poor job in the media. He does such a great job of reporting the stories and staying removed from the situation. It is it is truly incredible how many people cannot do the second piece of that that they have to offer or inject their positive opinion because their source whose hand is so far up their ass if he coughs they're coming out is 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 basically controlling what they say it, that that is that is a truly remarkable feat that 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 I always think is the most commendable part about him because he does he is not controlled he is a true and through reporter and I don't think he's ever or at least very infrequently it's not that he doesn't offer opinions but that you can tell that there's not a specific team level slant or agency level slant that he's and, and that's yeah, they're truly independent know. opinions yeah we both know who these people are and it, it goes without saying but it, that drives me nuts it's become a very it went from personal pet peeve to just a, a tremendous annoyance especially as i started writing nationally that i'm like it's so bothersome when you internationally read this stuff. travis yeah true internationally 
Let's see. So, well, Travis, um, thank you so much for taking time out of your career worst day to talk some hockey with me. It <laughs> was mighty kind of you. The people are going to listen and say, this guy's an asshole. We'll just complain. Trust nah. me. It was that bad. Nah, they'll enjoy it. They listen to yeah. us every week, so this will be an upgrade. <laughs> so um, that'll do for uh, this week's edition of the Hockey Hurts podcast. Um, I'm Ryan Wilson, and for 